when, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I had a big head. I had a skinny body, and one of the bodies that looks like it hasn't yet grown into the head. Of course, that situation has now remedied itself, as you now can see. Anyways, I had an oversized head, and one day we went horse riding as a family, and I was a bit nervous because I'd never been horse riding before, and first time horse riding on a horse that I felt may or may not take off at any time uh, filled me with a bit of anxiety, but actually it turned out to be a lot of fun, mostly. You see, even though I enjoyed the experience in all my My abiding memory of the ride is actually this, that the helmet that they gave me was too tight and too small. And it was, it really didn't fit right. And so the whole horse ride, even though I could sort of enjoy the environment as I rode through it, um, I was just thinking about this pressure on my head that was growing and growing and growing until the ache in my head was all I could think about. You see, inside, I was shouting, please take this helmet off. It's too small. But because I was a kid and I was already nervous and I had a stutter and I was already out on the ride, I just sucked it up. I didn't say anything and I kept on writing, right, riding. So when we're, but the point is, is that when we're wearing something that's ill-fitting, it can so consume our thoughts that it's all that we think of. And when it's all that we think of, this ill-fitting thing, we will miss everything else that's happening around us because that's all that we're thinking about. And in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus talks about this very thing, only he's talking about a yoke instead of a helmet. Now, a a yoke is this frame that, uh, that connects two animals to each other so that they're able to pull machinery on a farm. You know, in the olden days, we don't really do that anymore. Uh, But the principle um, is the same as the tight-fitting helmet, is that if you go go for too long wearing something that simply does not fit right, whether it's a helmet or a yoke, then all you do is focus on your lack of comfort, on this thing that is wrong. But if you can exchange your ill-fitting yoke for one that fits just right, in all the right places, then you will know rest for your soul, as the Lord says, and then you will start to look around and enjoy your surroundings. And that's where prayer comes in. Because prayer is a way for us to exchange that yoke which chafes and rubs and squeezes and aches for something that is actually tailor-made just for you. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 11. Now, our central idea this morning is that prayer is an exchange. So let's say it all together. Ready? Prayer is an exchange. One, two, three. Prayer is an exchange. One more time. Prayer is an exchange. So it's a trade. It's a swap. It's an exchange. Now, I know that many of us know the language of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, that says this. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we love this verse, right? It's, it's, it's a really good verse. It means so much to so many of us. We resonate with it, especially now. But what if we could love it more than we do now? What if we could love Matthew eleven twenty eight thirty 30 more? 
And one way that we can love this verse more is to understand it more. And we understand it more by looking at the verses surrounding it. So when we, when we take verses on their own, we can kind of make it mean whatever we want. But as we look at the context, there's a greater chance that we will get closer to God's meaning. So this morning, we will look really briefly at the verses leading up to verse number 28 to help us squeeze even more joy out of this wonderful passage as we look at prayer as an exchange. So let's reverse a a, a couple of verses to verse 25 of Matthew 11. That says this. It says this. Um, I... It says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. So verse 25 and 26 tells us that God reveals or God hides. God reveals or God hides. He hides from some and he reveals to others. And who does he hide from? Well, in this verse, it says that he hides from the wise and the learned. Right now, this verse actually takes place straight after this moment. If you're reading in your Bible, you know, you can see this. But it takes place after this moment where Jesus tells off the inhabitants of Chorazin and Bethsaida, um, which are two towns, because they saw the miracles of God and they did not repent Right, so, so they saw these acts of power of God moving in their midst and they simply moved on and went on with their day. They said, nice show, thank you God, and then they just went on. These people were the so-called wise and learned of verse number 25. They were happy to have God's little magic show, but they didn't want him as Lord. They had life just about wrapped up, thank you very much God. They loved the show, but not the tell. And we can be like that, right? We think that we don't need any more instruction, and so we make God fit into our paradigm of living. We say, God, it's our way or it's the highway. Maybe we're so well-versed in, in, in wisdom or study or knowledge or the facts, even facts about God, that God could do miracles in our midst and we would explain them away. We've squeezed all the mystery out of life. This is the fate of the wise and the learned. And then Jesus says in verse 25 that, that, that when God hides himself from the wise and the learned and he reveals truth to little children, that this is worthy of praise. It's good. It's amazing. It's worth shouting from the rooftops because this means that God's kingdom is an upside down kingdom. It's, it's, it's uh, one that favors the least among us. It's the one, it, it uh, means that the kingdom of God is for the childlike, uh, the one that society says, well, it's not really for you. It's the ones who still believe in silly little things like miracles. You see, only children are naive enough to think that if it's true that God exists and that he can do miracles, then it should change the, the, the way that we live. The rest of us may be no better. And so God hides and he reveals. God hides and he reveals. And so my question for you, having heard what you've heard this morning, is, is, is God hiding himself from you? Or is he revealing himself to you? Because the state of your heart will really dictate whether you are someone to whom God reveals himself or hides himself. 
So are you humble? Are you hungry? Are you insufficient? Are you childlike? If so, let's read on. Verse 27 says this. Um, All things, uh, verse 27, says, All things have been committed to me by the Father. This is Jesus speaking. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Right? I, I love mind maps. I love flowcharts. I write my sermons using a mind map. I, I use mind maps to map out my thoughts and logic, and it helps me to see the flow and the logic and the meaning using like arrows and squares and all that kind of thing. And so for this part, I actually want to draw it out, right? So, so in this verse, Jesus says that all things have been committed to me. So Let's say here's Jesus, okay? I have bad writing anyways, and I'm writing on an angle, uh, so my apologies. But here's Jesus, here's the Father, and Jesus says that all things have been committed to me by the Father, right? That's what the verse says. And then it says that no one knows the Son except the Father, no one knows the Father, the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, right? No one knows, uh, all things have been committed to me by the Father, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. But that's not where the, the verse ends, because it then says, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, Okay? So there's a word here. Here at the bottom it says those. So you have the Father, we have Jesus, and we have those. Okay, so this is massive because what this is saying to us is that that God the Father has given God the Son the right to do whatever he wants. And feel free if you can't see there to relocate. Um, So... Yeah, the Father's given the Son the right to do whatever he wants. All things have have been entrusted to Jesus. And he has this tight relationship with the Father in which only the Father knows the Son and only the Son knows the Father. So they're sat around the meal table and they're having an amazing time of fellowship. They know each other absolutely fully. They, they, They love each other's jokes. They share everything. They're on each other's wavelength. They finish each other's sentences. Why? Because they are what? What's known as a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. They are, they are complete. They need no one else. They are absolutely full, absolutely happy. And then the Son looks over, and he sees the door open, and he sees you standing there, nervous like a child, wanting to be part of what the grown-ups are doing, but not feeling that you have the right after all, you're a child. You aren't wise or learnt. You're just a kid. And then Jesus looks at you and he sees your heart and he turns to the Father and he says, Hey, Father, is it okay if I ask her in? Is it okay if I ask him in? Can they sit at the table with us? And then the Father looks at you standing in the doorway, both frightened and excited, hanging back, but also wanting to be part of what's going on. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, I have committed everything to you. You can choose to reveal me to them if you want. You know their heart. It's up to you, son. This is your call. 
Wow. Verse 28. And verse 28 only works if we read it as a continuation of what we've just read. So verse 28 says this. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And and so the context of verse 28 is Jesus having been given all authority by the Father, knowing the Father, hiding you know, the deeper things of, of the Lord from the wise and the learned, but revealing them to little children. This Jesus sees you standing like a child in the doorway, and he invites you into the fellowship of him and his Father. Now, there's a part of me that just wants to stop here and marinate in the glory of this wonderful image that Jesus, on behalf of the Father, reflecting the Father's heart, says to us, he says, come, you're welcome. There is room at the table. Friends, if this isn't a mind-boggling, mind-melting, heart-melting, incredible view of prayer, then I don't know what is. That Jesus says to you, and he says to me, come into the mystery of the Trinity. He says, come and know fellowship with the Father through me. John 14, verse 6. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So what is the grounds for you to come into God the Father's presence at the request of the Son. Well, what are the grounds? What, what, uh, what gives you the qualification to come into God's presence? Well, first, as we already understand, you need to be a little child. God reveals himself to little children, right? Verse number 25, but also Matthew chapter 18, verse 3 says this, Truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So you've got to change. Something's got to change. So God reveals himself to little children and he and he hides himself from the wise and the learned. So humility and childlikeness is is one qualification. You cannot stand at the doorway to, to the fellowship of the Godhead and say, let me in. Don't you know who I am? Because if you do that, Jesus will turn to you and he will say, actually, I do. You are Chorazin. You are Bethsaida. You clearly don't need me and you're not welcome. So why don't you just move on your way? So you need to be like a little child, which is the first qualification. But what else do you need? Are there any other qualifications needed to enter into God's presence through Jesus? Actually, yes, there are. And these cannot be messed with. These are non-negotiables, and these are them. Come to me, all you who are first weary, and secondly, you are burdened. These are the qualifications to enter into God the Father's presence through Jesus Christ. We need to be childlike, we need to be weary, and we need to be burdened. Friends, this is where the exchange takes place. 
This is prayer as an exchange. This is prayer as a swap. This is prayer as a trade. We come to him with our weariness and our burdens. And in the presence of Jesus who communicates to us the presence of the Father and the fellowship of the Father, we find rest. He says, I will give you rest. On behalf of the Father, I grant you rest. I take your weariness and I give you rest. I take your burdens and I give you rest. This is the gospel message played out, right? We come to the, we come to the doorway of the presence of God himself and we, and we expect that we will be turned away and rightly so because God is God. And he's holy and righteous and perfect and without sin. And the Bible says in Psalm 5 verse 4, For you are not a God who is pleased with wickedness. With you evil people are not welcome. And then Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says this, That the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. And so we read this. We read Psalm 5.4 and Romans 1 verse 18 and we think he would never want me. But here's the amazing thing, is that the Father and the Son working in concert, working in conversation, have created a way in, and it's through Jesus, and it's called grace. And as we have a relationship with Jesus as the perfect representation of the Father, we're welcomed into the presence of the Father himself through faith. He, he slaps us on our back. And he welcomes us in and he sits us down at the table and we're like, but God, I'm just a child. I'm not wise. I'm not learned. And God says, yeah, I know, right? Our wisdom isn't the gate. Jesus is the gate. Our learning isn't the way. Jesus is the way. And as we trust in Jesus, Philippians chapter 3 verse 9 tells us that we will be found in him In Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness that comes from from God, from the Father, who's in that room waiting for us on the basis of faith in his Son who allows us in. And so we come to Jesus with our burdens and our weariness, our efforts to succeed, and we stop. We simply quit. We lay aside our so-called wisdom and our learning. We accept that we are like children and like children on the basis of faith. We come to Jesus and we say, I can't carry this burden anymore. And I'm a father. And if, and if my girl came to me and said, this is way too heavy, I can't carry it anymore. I would lift it off her right away. I'm so tired. I'm so weary. I'm so exhausted. I can't, I can't move any, you know, I, I can't move, Lord. I can't, I can't keep on going. It's no use. I'm never going to be holy enough or righteous enough or learned enough or wise enough to come into your presence. I have no right to sit at your table. And when Jesus hears this, his eyes shine because you've just said the secret password. When you say, I can't, and you start to hang back in the shadows, Jesus says, I know, but I can. 
And Jesus takes our burdens of trying to do life by ourselves and he gives us rest. He gives us rest for our souls. He gives us rest for our deepest need. He gives us rest for the shadowy recesses of our lives that we hope that no one ever finds out about. This is the exchange of prayer. And all we have to say is, I can't, but maybe Jesus can. When I was riding that horse, I wished that someone would have seen my discomfort and would have lifted that ill-fitting helmet off me and replaced it with one that was made for my massive head size. And Jesus says to us, he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. When we come into the presence of the Father through Jesus the Son, we drop our burdens and our weariness. But we're not left empty-handed, right? Instead, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, right? True freedom isn't the freedom, you know, to do nothing, to veg around or to do whatever we want. That's not true freedom. True freedom is freedom to live in the way that God made you to live, And the idea of this yoke is that when an ox or whatever was learning to plow the field, as I said before, they'd use this wooden frame that was laid over the shoulders of the young ox. And that frame, that yoke would be attached to the hoe or the machinery or whatever in the back. And then the ox would plow a furrow ready to plant seed. But a young ox is a child. They are A, not strong and they are B, not trained. And so if you use a child ox, if you use a young ox, then you'd end up with this wonky line to plant the seeds in and the ox would get tired very, very quickly. And so what they do is that they would would connect this younger child ox to a seasoned, well-trained, strong ox through this yoke that's laid across both their shoulders and the child ox would learn from the adult ox and the older ox would take most of the weight would take most of the strain. First John 5 verse 3 says this. In fact, this is love for God, to keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. And this is the beauty of our relationship with Jesus, is that through prayer, we get rid of the burden of doing life alone. We get to lay down the burden of isolation, the burden of sole responsibility, of being the one who calls the shots. And instead, we, we get to do life with Jesus. And we can be like a child again. We can be like a child ox. You know, it's, it's like going out for a meal with your loved one. It's been a long day. Uh, actually, we can't go out for meals with our loved ones at the moment. But let's cast our minds back to the long and distant past when that was legal. Um, you, know, you know, so you're going out for to, to fast eddies with your loved one, and it's been a long day, and you've wiped out so hard that you can't even think, and you look at the menu, and your focus is going in and out. You're just so tired. And you say to your loved one, you choose for me. You see, they know you, and you know that they won't choose something bad for you. And you know that you'll appreciate whatever they choose for you. And in giving over that responsibility to choose, you find rest. You find freedom. And that's the rest that Jesus invites us into, is this rest of exchange. So in prayer, 
We bring our burdens and our weariness. We bring our childlikeness, our insufficiency, and we hover at the doorway of fellowship with God the Father and God the Son, and it's our very burden, it's our very weakness that opens the door. It's the fact that we aren't learned or wise. It's the fact that we are honest about our shortcomings. It's the fact that we know that we're not the mother or the father or the husband or the wife or the friend or the colleague or the son or the daughter that we're supposed to be. It's the very fact that we feel like a failure. It's the very fact that we look ahead at lockdown and virtual learning and isolation and we can hardly stop ourselves from falling apart in tears. It's the very fact that we're just like little children who can't do anything that we feel so powerless. It's the very fact that we bring nothing except our failure and our weakness and our burdens and our weariness that causes Jesus to look at the Father with a wink and a question in his eyes. And it's the fact that we bring nothing that causes the Father to respond to the Son with a smile as he says, Jesus, it's your call. And it's the fact that we bring nothing that causes Jesus to say to you and to me, there's room at the table. Leave your burdens at the door and come up here, take a load off and spend some time with us. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. And so as we go into our last song, I want us to pause uh, in quiet for a moment. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to Breathe in and out three times. Okay, here we go. Let's all breathe in and out. And again, breathe in and out. One more time, breathe in and breathe out. You are a child. If you can have your eyes closed, you are a child. You've heard the sound of laughter and conversation coming from the dining room. And so you creep up to the door and you peek in and you see God the Father and God the Son talking and exchanging stories. You see the light and the food and the friendship and you want in, but you look at yourself. You're not learned. You're not wise. You'll only make a fool of yourself. And then you look at at your hands and you realize that you're carrying so much stuff so many worries and you feel the weight on your back of your burdens of your concerns of your stresses of your anxieties of your sins and your failures and you think they won't want me in there I just spoil the party you know they're actually better off without me and then you look down at your hands worn with weariness and you feel the weight of the ill-fitting burdens on your back, the rub and the chafing and the rawness. And you start to edge away from the doorway, back into the shadows where it's safe. Oh, hi there. You look up, flip. Jesus is looking right at you. He says, I saw you standing there. Why don't you come in and then you look at the stuff that you are carrying and you realize that you'll never fit through the door. And Jesus says, look, just leave it outside. Why don't you come to me? 
I can see that you're weary and you're burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I see that you're a child. I see that you're burdened. I see that you're weary. And strangely enough, those are the three qualifications to come into my presence. And he gets up and he pulls out a chair. And this is the exchange that he's offering. And so as you consider this scene, and as we sit in prayerful silence for a moment, I have one question for you. What do you do? Stand with us. Sing this song in a, as response.
Thank you, God. 